0: On this episode of DLN-Extend, we discuss if Linux distribution releases are still exciting. This episode of DLN-Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 63 of DLN-Extend. DLN-Extend is a community powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community from places like the DLN discourse forums, Telegram group, Discord server, and more. We also snag topics from around the network and give you our takes. We are once again down another co-host. Oh my gosh, we were all three last week. Now we're down to two. With me this week is the amazing OpenSUSE master. Nate, how are you doing?
1: Well, I'm doing pretty well. No complaints. I'm a little sad that Matt isn't here because I had a lot of like game stuff that I want to talk about with the Commodore 64 game stuff because I knew he wouldn't care. So I want to bring it up. But since he's not here, (laughs) I'm not sure what I want to talk about now.
0: Oh, talk about it anyway. (laughs) What else do you have
1: going on? The move is still in progress. I got a little bit more to pack yet. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. Most things are packed, but they're just not out the door yet. So I'm hoping either late today or tomorrow I can start moving some more things over to the new place. An exciting thing is Yannick. You know Yannick from The Other Side Podcast Network. He's the uh, French guy from Switzerland. I think that's what his tagline is. He and I, we restarted the podcast that we'd been doing. Kind of went on hiatus for a year, due to things called Maker's Corner Podcast. It's not a DLN podcast, but it's a Other Side Podcast Network podcast. I'm saying podcasts an awful lot. It's not like a hardware thing. It's mostly about making things. Everything from doing like single board computer stuff like arduinos and raspberry Pis to doing woodworking or electrical circuitry or anything along those lines just making things that's what it's centered around a lot of talk about 3d printing and so forth just recorded episode 13 yesterday lucky number 13 actually eric adams he's been on the podcast also he was on there last year makerscorner.tech if you're interested in uh hearing a couple of dudes in the uh ever so infrequent dudette talk about uh, making things. It's fun. It's just, it's nice to talk to Yannick. He's a fun guy to chat with and he's got a great accent. So if you like a French accent, so yeah, we just recorded yesterday. So I think next week it'll be out.
0: Nice. I might have to pick your brain because I know one of the things that I want to get for us for the next school year is a 3D printer. And so I'm looking for one that will fit within a certain budget range, but actually do some cool things. So we may have to talk 3 Absolutely.
1: Printers. I wouldn't call myself a, a 3D printer aficionado. I've gone through a few terrible printers. So I know which ones not to get. <laughs> I'll steer you away from some of them.
0: That is still good information to have. <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: And uh, I'm glad to share that. I had to basically rebuild lots of aspects of my 3D printer make it usable. The head just wouldn't get hot enough consistently. Don't buy that one. So there's some others and we can certainly talk in the future about that.
0: Awesome. I'm looking forward to it.
1: So what exciting things are going on in the world? World of Wendy Hill?
0: Not much at all. I've been sunburnt again this last weekend. And then anybody who's seen my profile picture knows that I've got quite a few different ear piercings. I had one of them get angry.
1: Ooh, angry piercing.
0: With a sunburn and some other stuff that was going on and it sank into my ear. So right now I'm just healing. I am doing my best to kind of take it easy. I'm super tired with the sunburn and the ear trauma that I'm not doing anything. I'm just trying to let my body heal so then I can go off and do a whole bunch of fun things once again.
1: That's totally understandable. I know like if I'm ever injured or whatever, it just seems like it really takes its toll on your ability to accomplish anything. Even to think, really.
0: Yeah, it does. I wasn't planning on getting sunburnt and definitely not sunburnt to the extent that I was. No fooling. And I was expecting, as I know, (laughs) right? Like I wasn't planning on getting sunburnt. But the goal was I hadn't started editing the show and I wasn't too worried about it because I figured out we'd be home pretty early on Sunday and I was going to start on Sunday and then wrap everything up on Monday. Well, we didn't get home until late Sunday evening just because stuff took longer than we expected it to. Part of the reason why I ended up with such a bad sunburn. It took me so much longer to edit the show just because My brain didn't want to focus between being tired and just being in pain. Right. (laughs) My shoulders not wanting to work properly. Right. So yeah, Monday was definitely a long day. And now I'm into just the healing mode. Let's get healed up and back to normal. And then we can have great fun adventures. Next week, my kids will be in swimming lessons all day. So I guess next week will probably be a pretty boring podcast for me too. What I'll be doing is, hey, we were at swimming lessons morning (laughs) and
1: Afternoon. Yay! Hey, the kid's getting good (laughs) exercise. There's nothing unexciting about that, unless something crazy happens.
0: This episode of Deal and Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new managed MongoDB service, which is a fully managed database as a service. With MongoDB, you can focus more on building scalable, high performance apps and less on maintaining the database. Simply offload your MongoDB administration to DigitalOcean and let them handle the provisioning, managing, scaling, updates, backups, and security for your clusters. DigitalOcean built this service in partnership with MongoDB, Inc., and together they have ensured that you will get access to all the latest releases of MongoDB Document Database as they become available. As a listener of DLN Extend Podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. Actually, better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you go to do.co slash DLN dash Mongo. Again, go to do.co slash DLN dash Mongo. M-O-N-G-O and get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new Manage MongoDB. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. Now it's time to jump back into Linux. And in this Linux topic today, are distribution releases exciting? Do you jump for joy when you find out that the next Ubuntu releases are coming out? Are you keeping up to date on what's going on with this Arch update? I guess that happens all the time. Is anybody excited about everyday Arch updates? What do you think, Nate?
1: So I kind of get this impression that there's not as much buzz as there used to be about distributions, and I'm not really sure why. For me, I get excited every time there's an OpenSUSE release. Maybe I'm overexcited about that. Probably not a fair comparison. OpenSUSE Leap 15.3 was just released. I ran it on testing machines, but then life got super busy on me. And so I haven't actually put it into production yet. I haven't upgraded any of my Leap machines yet. Only ran like the beta tests and helped with the, the testing process early on. I feel like I'm not jumping as quickly as I used to. Now maybe it just could be because life events, things are a little bit nutty for me right now. And that might be the reason. Or maybe because of Tumbleweed and the rolling release that I get excited all the time with new snapshots, I guess. Maybe not all the time, but a lot of times I get pretty excited. If maybe that is a contributing factor. I felt like there wasn't as much buzz about the Ubuntu 2104 releases as there have been historically. And maybe that's just my perception. There's a lot of really exciting things happening. And so I don't know if maybe there's just as much excitement about distributions or if maybe all the other things are overtaking, overshadowing some of the distribution excitement. Once upon a time, it used to be you didn't get new software until that new release of Mandrake Linux or Ubuntu Linux came out. You know, Now that's not so much the case. So does that maybe take away from the excitement of a new distribution release? How do you feel about that? I know you're on Manjaro, so there's not really exciting new releases so much there? Maybe there is.
0: There isn't really exciting releases on Manjaro. It's kind of one of the things that you're talking about being on Tumbleweed is when you're on a rolling release and you're just constantly getting updates there's really cool things that come into it in Manjaro and I'm excited when we have maybe a KDE update or that kind of thing. But the distribution itself, like there isn't a whole lot of hype because yeah, I'm getting updates. Like everything is getting updates. That's just kind of how this distribution works. Now things that have specific set updates like Ubuntu, I feel that there also wasn't as much buzz this year. And it's not that there wasn't coverage because Destination Linux Network covered it. There was coverage on other Linux video shows, podcast shows. So there was news out there in my little world, in my scope of the Linux space. I didn't notice it as much. And maybe some of that is Big Daddy Linux wasn't rolling at the time, so there wasn't that weekly lug going on. And they were doing the different testing each week because that's how I got most of my Ubuntu hands-on news was from places like that where it was a lug environment. They were testing out distros, seeing what had changed, what hadn't changed. I don't use that one. And I did stay up to date more on it when I was a Kubuntu user. But since it's not my main distro, I kind of hit on the news that's in This Week in Linux or Destination Linux and pick up the bits and pieces that way. But as far as being super excited about it all the time, I'm just not. I know there are people that are excited when Ubuntu's next release comes out. I know that there's people working extremely hard for 21.10 because that's the next release cycle. They're very solid that way there's people that get excited about the next elementary release. They are working on rebasing and upgrading to the next one for elementary. And there's some awesome news that they're finally getting a dark mode. So I am super excited for them about that. Oh, agreed. But it's also not a distribution I follow. So I think the excitement really comes from people that use those distributions themselves and being on a rolling release. It's like, yeah, cool. We got an update. I'm more focused on desktop environment updates.
1: Right. I kind of feel like that too. And I I think also, one of the reasons I went from using OpenSUSE Leap to OpenSUSE Tumbleweed is because I feel like for many years, and this is nothing against distribution, it's actually a a quality of the distribution, the new releases have been kind of boring in the sense that nothing really breaks, there's no massive changes, everything's kind of stable, which that's a goal, that's actually a good goal for distribution to have. I will say that if I had other... Cool hardware. I'd be very excited about this OpenSUSE Elite 153 because of course they have the Intel AMD sixty four bit desktops, laptop server and such. But they also have a which I haven't tried yet, a UEFI ARM, sixty four-bit servers, desktops, laptops, and boards, a Arch sixty four, so sixty four bit ARM. If you have PowerPC servers, so not big, Endian, that's the newer PowerPC, and also IBM Z architecture, S390X. And that stuff excites me because they're expanding their hardware support portfolio, I guess you could say. And that's, to me, very exciting, but I don't have half of those to test that on. But I think if I were in maybe like another sphere, that would be very exciting. If I had other forms of hardware. If any of us, I think Matt would be the one to have an IBM Z server, I'm sure. He always had that (laughs) esoteric hardware that nobody really knew where it came from.
0: Yes. That where in the world did you find that thing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's where you live. So just every corner drugstore has it or something. Since I can't actually test it, I can't really do a whole lot with it. And maybe, yeah, I think, you know, Big Data Linux, Morocco, not really pushing the whole trying distributions every week. My online circle is not really looking at new distros as much. Maybe that could be it. It used to be a focus of Destination Linux Ryan used to be an extreme distro hopper. He changed distros right before a show. Doesn't seem like a great idea to me, but hey, it worked for him. And so since he's not really doing that anymore, he's kind of stabled out. I don't know if he's on Arch or Fedora right now. I can't keep track of what he's on these days. He's okay. on Garuda. Garuda. Yeah, so Arch based. Arch based. So he's mm-hmm. on Arch. Michael went from I think he was using Kubuntu before, now he's on Fedora. And so I guess I feel like there's maybe just less buzz in the communities about it. In a way that kind of makes me a little bit sad because I like these new distributions. Could it be that maybe the technologies are sort of stabilizing at this point? Like there hasn't been any new technologies, any new desktop paradigms. You know, there's not all this new stuff that was happening even four or five years ago. The
0: last big kind of upset thing was when Ubuntu went to GNOME as its main desktop. So then there was a whole lot of buzz about how does that look? There hasn't been a new flavor really added to Ubuntu lately. So there's no real buzz around there. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said that you get a new version of a distro and stuff working works, right? There's nothing too much to test. Yeah, there's Mm -hmm. upgrades happening in the background, especially for something like Ubuntu, you're getting a new version of the desktop environment, you're getting new versions of other stuff on the back end that definitely make things better for the end user and better security. But at the same time, it's like, oh, yay, here's another thing that works, which is a good problem to have. It really is nice to be like, hey, yeah, you want to try the new Ubuntu? Guess what? It's going to work.
1: Right. There's no question, really. It's going to work. It's not like roll the dice at all. I mean, at one time, it may have been roll the dice, But now just everything just seems to work right out of the box.
0: Yeah, if you want to get your fixes with bugs and stuff, maybe I suggest, hey, jumping into the betas for Ubuntu and that kind of thing and testing there, getting your feedback that way, which I know they're always looking for that kind of feedback. Especially on different kinds of hardware.
1: Mm-hmm. But even then, when I've done beta testing for you know OpenSUSE or even Ubuntu, they just kind of still work. I would say they're like a good release from 10 years ago as far as like issues and fixing things. It's not even bad. Now, I will say like new hardware enablement, that's exciting. Like when they have Ryzen chipset came out and had to support that or the new graphics and so forth. And more like the issues with SystemD maybe a year or two ago, couldn't access something new that was AMD. Maybe could it be a lull because of a weird last year? It's kind of sucked the wind out of some of the new developments?
0: Maybe a little bit. I think there's some things that have been able to be worked on more just because, you know, people had the time to do it. Or the fact that, and this maybe ties into our topic a little bit last week, is there's now recognition from some of the larger companies that Linux is a thing. Linux desktop is a thing. There are those communication lines between the community, people writing the kernel, people writing the applications... And the hardware that we're using it on, those communication lines being open means, hey, we're getting stuff in a timely manner instead of this thing's been out for a year and now we're finally being able to use it. Whereas I do an update on Manjaro and it's like, oh yeah, that new thing works now.
1: Right. It seems like bug fixes. Like when I get an update, it's basically largely bug fixes and performance improvements. And that's something to be excited about, I think.
0: Yeah. Isn't it wonderful that we're to a point that it's bug fixes and making the performance better and not saying, okay, so we've had this major issue and now it's less of a major issue.
1: Yeah, for shame. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I like the state. Maybe less overall exciting. Maybe we're not as excited about distribution releases. I'm more excited about the enablement now where I can just get work done, accomplish tasks, be able to reliably use technology. And I will say that my experience at Linux is the best experience I've had for any computer systems, but just being able to utilize whatever I need to do to accomplish whatever it is I need to accomplish. Anything from baking in the kitchen to Trading lists or to browsing the web for information. Everything is just works so nicely. Hardware performs well. I can go to the local store, pick up a piece of hardware, plug it in, and everything just kind of works right out of the gate. Maybe I'm overly spoiled and my expectations are so high now and those expectations are constantly being met with these distribution releases. Sometimes I wonder if maybe I lack appreciation. What if that's the problem? Why I'm not so excited?
0: When I first joined Linux, there was always, hey, this one's starting up, this one's closing. And it seems like there's even more stability. Yes, there was some hubbub here a while ago with Red Hat, but for the most part, the distributions that are now out and that you're getting releases for, there isn't this drama about, oh my gosh, this thing's starting up or now there's not enough development or people working on this one. So this one's going under. Krita was one of the ones that I absolutely, not Krita, that's an application and it's going nowhere. Thank goodness. (laughs) Corora, that's the one I was thinking of. It was my favorite distribution. It was my home for a long time. And then it went away just because there wasn't the same amount of developers able to work on it. They weren't able to keep up with the release schedule for Fedora. And now we've almost seemed to have this happy medium with the main distributions. And we don't see stuff like that coming in or going away. Yeah, we do have a new thing coming Jing OS that is now in development. So there is new stuff coming and we do have some of the older stuff leaving, but it doesn't seem to be in as much turmoil. Is that just me or do you see that too?
1: Yeah, I think so too. It does seem like things are kind of stabled out. Not as many new distributions popping up that are trying to be mainstream. Maybe some more like esoteric or appliance like distributions that are built on some other existing technology, but there's not a brand new something like Solus that's appearing. There's not a brand new something like, I guess, Solus be the last one maybe there's no more space for new things now.
0: I don't know that there's necessarily not space for new things like that because I do believe that new technologies, there is room to come in, but it's more like the developers that we have or the people that are coming into the community are saying, hey, I like this project. I'm going to help out with this and make this one better. So instead of necessarily starting new things all of the time are constantly making forks, which I know some of that is still happening here and there, There seems to be more cohesiveness around the existing stuff that we do have and making them better, making sure that they work better, making sure that the bugs that have been there are getting cleaned out instead of starting from ground level. Then you don't have to do that all over again.
1: Right. Linux is so much more complex now. Maybe that's prohibitive for somebody going down that rabbit hole as well. And speaking of new releases, just checking, Pop OS twenty one oh four has just been released. And the only way that I stumbled upon that was it was a little bit of buzz on Twitter, but actually going to DistroWatch, it popped up.
0: That there was a new Pop OS. Yeah, There's
1: Pop OS, but it didn't really feel like it's a lot of buzz. But again, it's that vacuum where Rocco isn't out there on big data Linux talking about these new releases. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't want excitement to go away for it for any of this. There's still a lot of room, I think, for making the desktop experience better and work better for people.
0: Yeah. Well I'm for me, I've always felt like if I'm really going to talk about a distribution, I need to try it out. And I don't have a machine that I'm really using for testing in general anymore. I've got my main system. And that one, I did throw a couple SSDs in there because I was going to do some testing on it when the new Fedora came out and throw Garuda on there, but keeping my safe Manjaro. The downside about that is boot order. I'm not the only one who uses this system. So I have to make sure that the main one that my husband uses still boots. Then I have my Microsoft Surface that I use all of the time and that I actually do work on and the kids do school on and that kind of thing. So it's definitely not a test machine. I now have a bunch of machines Sitting on the shelf in there, but those aren't test machines. Those are school machines. They need to be ready to go for school this year. So there really isn't anything that I have set aside for testing on. So news channels are really covering hey, here's the news on the release. This is what's changing. For me to share hype on it, I'd actually want to get my hands dirty and test it. And right now, between not having a dedicated machine for testing. And even if I did have a dedicated machine for testing, having time to actually do work on it anymore, it seems like I need to have my true and tried distribution on my true and tried hardware so I can get XYZ done because there's more stuff waiting to be done.
1: I have a test machine, and I actually just turned around and I looked. It's underneath a pile of things I'm getting ready to box up. <laughs> a dedicated test machine does make it better. My testing and virtual machine has become a little more limited because doing these recordings of podcasts and such seems to take up a lot of space, and I need to comb some things out again falls under priority there as well. I'm not in a place where I'm distro hopping in my Linux journey, so that probably has a negative, I shouldn't say negative, it has a detractor from the excitement of new releases as well.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling that we're going to hear from the distro hoppers in our community to say, I am always so excited when a new distribution comes out because that's something else to play with. And we still do have distro hoppers inside of our community But overall, I also think that there's less of them in general too. I think really it's a settling out of everything. Yes, there's still some fluctuations in new distributions popping up or old ones going away. Yes, there's still distro hoppers and there always will be. But so much of the community seems to be getting into this settle mode between the distributions and having their steady, solid releases and many of the community members finding their forever home when it comes to distributions. And so we become in our bubble of this is the work I need to get done. This is the distribution that I'm focused on. And it's really cool that such and such is releasing again, but it's not my distro.
1: Right. I guess it's a fragmentation of the community in some ways. Not that it's more fragmented now, but we're all in our own little bubble or silo or pick your analog of uh, distribution compartmentalization. That could be a thing too. You know, you're more entrenched in the Manjaro world, simply in the Fedora world, you know, me in the OpenSUSE world that I only get excited for OpenSUSE. Oh, can't forget Ubuntu. World. Yes. I don't want to play into the idea of, you know, last week's subject that Linux is dying and the witness protection program or anything like that, because I think (laughs) there's so much excitement in the different communities as to what's going on.
0: If you were watching Destination Linux, especially when Neil was on and they were getting ready for the Fedora release, and then after the new release was done, he was definitely very excited and happily sharing news about what they've done and the steps taking. So there is excitement out there. It really seems to be more focused in, like you said, those specific communities and those people that are working on those distributions. Of course, they're happy to see all of their work be released to the public again.
1: Well, Neil's also always excited, I feel like. He's a ground zero for distribution excitement. I mean, everything from OpenSUSE to Fedora to (laughs) OpenMandriva, So he gets me excited about everything. Maybe the key is uh, listening to Neil more and that would make people more excited.
0: Maybe that is the way to go.
1: I'm going to propose that solution. We need some Neil cheerleading more often.
0: So make sure you're joining Destination Linux and watching the post show. Absolutely. Make sure that you let us know what you think about this topic. Are you excited about the next distribution? What distributions are you excited about? Are you still distro hopping or do you have a forever Linux home? You can either leave comments on the YouTube or head over to the discourse forum. There will be a post there with all of the show information and you can chat with us about it.
1: This episode of DLN extend is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the passive manager we use and trust. It's the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital sensitive information. Bitwarden lets you choose the authentication to access your password manager, such as pin, master password, and adding phrases or fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is a password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. It has extensive security audits. It gives you the ability to self-host if you so choose. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. It's only $10 for a premium account, which gives you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, and more. Make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the premium edition, especially since the premium edition starts at only $10 annually. Bitwarden has saved me from getting into a serious jam numerous times. Now you wouldn't be able to pry it from my cold, dead device. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend.
0: Please tell me that you've got some sort of game stuff this week, Nate. Without Matt here, everybody is going to be missing their game fix. You got something for us, right?
1: Well, I sure do. I discovered this whole new treasure trove of Commodore 64 games that are really high quality. Some are commercial games from Cytronic. One of them in particular is called Steel Ranger. It's a Metroid-like game. The graphics, they look 8-bit. How nice they look. I'm not even sure why I get so excited about this because I could just play newer games. What's amazing to me is seeing how this continued development going on on the Commodore 64 and actually producing very playable, very quality, highly polished games that are fun to play, that have depth of story and so forth. And maybe not that deep of story, but deep in story. That's one of the games. There's another one, Lost City in Atlantis. It's a puzzle platformer. Night and Grail, it's an action platformer. I have not played those yet. But one that I'm very excited about, I don't know if it's going to be a game that's commercial or what. The programmer is the Sarah Jane Avery. I think she's from the United Kingdom. Cambridge Shire, wherever that is. I don't know if it's a real place. She's actually an author and she writes books. And so she decided to take four of her books... And turn it into a Commodore 64 game, like a Legend of Zelda for the Nintendo. Same style. It's called sort of Helja or Helja. I'm not sure if it was H-E-L-J-A. I've actually heard it spoken. It is a very neat looking game. It's based on her novel so that the story's on that. She's still testing it and building it. But it just looks incredible. The music is good. The uh, level design is good. She's giving updates on Twitter. On the 27th, one of her posts, she added a a portal system, so now she can have linked maps, as well as uh, she's building interiors. And she's still using her test map for now, and with very rough interiors. Doing things like uh, multiplexing sprites, things are more interactive, and having the sprites go above and below each other, which is not as easy to do on that hardware as it would be Super Nintendo-type hardware. I'm just amazed that so much effort's going into keeping a nearly 40-year-old computer alive. Maybe it's just the nostalgia or what. To me, it seems like the platform just hasn't died yet. In fact, it might actually be more vibrant now than it was 20 years ago.
0: So I've got a question. This last game that you're talking about is still in development. Does it still have 8-bit music?
1: Yes. It absolutely has 8-bit music. I will give a link to her Twitter account. So you can see some of the stuff that she's done.
0: This seems to be the absolute perfect mix for you. Is it's still that old game style being able to play on the Commodore 64, but it's new games for this platform?
1: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. The return on investment of time is really going to be there. I mean, maybe it will. I don't know. The 8-bit guy seems to do pretty well selling Commodore 64 games to the tune of thousands. Maybe there is enough of a market that it's worthwhile. But I mean, she's doing a lot of like brand new type development to extract the capability from the machine. So I have no idea how she's accomplishing this. She designed a special multiplexer so that lower sprites always overlap higher ones. I mean, that's just astounding. How do you do that? How do you know how to do that?
0: Yeah, that is awesome. And it's great to see development still happening for platforms that people are still keeping some of this Stuff alive, mixing old and new together.
1: Computer history, it's part of our cultural history is the way I see it. Old games, old hardware, it's what helped bring us to where we are today. I think that's kind of neat as well.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: You said you have a massive correction that you have to make on something and some other exciting news as well.
0: Yeah, I made a massive boo-boo on episode 62 when I was sharing my love for Mailfence. It is still an amazing service, but I got pricing totally wrong. I have not the ultra, but the entry-level platform. I have no idea why I had it set in my mind that I had the ultra subscription, but I don't. I have the entry-level subscription. And if you go on their website if you're checking them out. Yes, you will see things in euros, but if you decide that, hey, this is a route that you want to go when you're in that section, you can change it to US dollars. And I'm now looking at the subscription page myself inside my account. I'm not seeing an ability to change to yearly anymore. So I don't know if that option is gone. When I signed up here a few years ago, you could either do monthly or yearly subscriptions. So yearly may not be an option at this point. I still say that they are great. I love Mel Fence. I'm extremely sorry for giving you wrong prices and making this deal sound way better than it actually is.
1: I don't think it's entirely your fault. I mean, I wasn't there on that show, so I couldn't double check for you. Blame it on my absence, why the mistake happened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nate wasn't here. Mm, All your fault. No, no, I, I definitely should have checked things out a little bit closer and made sure which one I was on. And when I realized how big I'd messed up, I have put a correction in the description of that YouTube. There was a couple comments there. I've stated that I have messed up there. Plus, there's corrections now in the podcast show notes and in the show notes on the discourse form. But just to make sure that it got out to everybody who listened, I wanted to let you know here, that I have $30 a year for the base paid plan and not $30 a year for the ultra. Plan. But now let's get into some actual fun stuff Certainly Lots of network news going on this week The first thing that we have going on Is an extended post show for Destination Linux on July 11th
1: I always enjoy those extended post shows Get a lot of people involved on there Get to see some new faces Or I guess maybe avatars sometimes It's always fun to hear other people contribute ideas Just discuss things and shoot the proverbial breeze
0: Yeah, exactly Get to hang out for a little bit There's usually more post show out after Destination Linux goes offline. But this time you get to see the whole thing, not just the show live on YouTube, I guess in the backstage on the front stage for the whole post show instead of getting to see part of it and then it being patrons only. So make sure you are joining us directly after the show on July 11th for the extended post show.
1: Not to be confused with DLN extend, but the extended DLN.
0: (laughs) A little bit of a tongue twister there, isn't
1: it? Oh, I think it's fun. I guess that means I have to be there, right?
0: That's right. You do have to be there. Make sure you're there, Nate. July 11.
1: I'll do my best.
0: We're getting close to another anniversary, and this anniversary is a big one because it ends with a zero, and that is the birthday of Linux. We are going to be celebrating... 30 years of Linux on July 15th with a big lug followed by a game fest. It'll be a smashingly good time as we get to visit again, talk about all different kinds of Linux things with the community and then play some games. I know Among Us is back on the list of games to play for this coming game fest. I'm so excited. The first time I ever played it was the last game fest we did and I can't wait to dive into this one because I've been practicing.
1: Oh yeah. My kids love Among Us. So it's been quite a bit of playing of Among Us. We haven't done it in a few weeks here, but yeah, that is a great game. It's just a fun game. Last time we played it and Jill was the imposter and she got me. I was thinking to myself, how could Jill do that? She's always so bubbly and nice. (laughs) It's so much fun.
0: Yes, it is. There will be other games, some open source games there on the list. So make sure you're staying tuned to find out what all we're playing. I know we're still kind of figuring out what we want to play. And we want to be playing games that more members can join on. So one of the downside of Among Us, even though they've done an update, the maximum number of people is 16, which is better than it was before. So we're trying to find some games that we can all play together as a community Even better if they're open source games where more people can participate at one time. So if you have any suggestions for games where a lot of people can play, and we have rounds, so open world stuff, probably not so much, but things like Among Us or Super Tux Cart where we can get more people in and playing would be awesome.
1: Absolutely. I don't mind buying a game or two for uh, Game Fest. And also, can you believe it's 30 years of the Linux kernel? 30 years. It seems like only five years ago, we celebrated the 25th anniversary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As we're approaching the 30th anniversary of this, it's really funny that the topic last week was, is Linux dying? Which we've decided no, and we've even rammed that home even more this week in the fact that everything works so well and is running so smoothly that you don't have quite the hype over new distributions dropping. And here we are like, yay, look at how far this community has come. This kernel has come in 30 years
1: really amazing to see the developments and how much the hardware is now enabled in the kernel and and so forth it's actually it's really amazing and i'm really grateful to all those that work on the kernel and in celebration we will play games on linux
0: we will play games on linux we have one more thing
1: oh do we yes
0: there's one more thing and we are doing another live show for deal and extend that will be on august 18th as part of our celebration 30 years of linux
1: I think that'll be fun.
0: It should be. It should be a bunch of fun. I really enjoyed the last live show that we did. It'll be same time early on a Wednesday morning. At least for me, it's early on a Wednesday morning because I'm mountain time. So all of that information will also be shared on the discourse forum and in the show notes. So you can make sure that you're joining us at the right time. And we'll be reminding you every week until it happens in August. Make sure you're joining us for the next live show. Of deal and extent,
1: I'll make sure that I'm there. I'll make sure I'll have it all carved out. You better out be and ready there! Go. Gosh dang it! <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. I'm not going to not be there.
0: My husband has mentioned to me multiple times, "Hey, you should be doing more of the live shows." One of the community members, Samich Hunter, he was asking when we were going to be doing another live show. So here you know we are going to be settled back down. Everybody will be moved in, and all that fun stuff will be done. Next live show, August 18th
1: good times. I will definitely be all settled in at that time as well.
0: Yeah, your move will be over. There should be no more packing, no more unpacking.
1: There might still be unpacking.
0: You'll finally reveal the new name instead of Super Cubicle.
1: Right. The Super Cubicle will be decommissioned.
0: We'd like to continue the discussion with you on Telegram, in Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for information on how to connect to the social channels, all of our shows, and creators at DestinationLinux.network.
1: For more information on me, you can go to CubicleNate.com. Links to Mary Giller and Blathering's podcast and YouTube channel can be found there. Not that there's a lot going on, but hey, you know, if you're interested. You can follow Matt and his random ramblings on Twitter at MattDLN.
0: You can find me on Mastodon at WendyDLN at Mastodon.online. Be sure to check out the DLN merch store. Grab yourself some awesome DLN Extend swag along with stuff from across the network. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode of DLN Extend. Until then, have a great week, everyone.
1: When my kids were doing swimming lessons before that whole weirdness of last year, my daughter was doing, she's two years younger than my son, my oldest. She moved up into his class. I would shout to my oldest that said, hey, your sister's coming up. Don't let her beat you. Don't let her beat you. And then I would say (laughs) to my daughter, says, catch up, catch up. You can take them. You can take them.
0: (laughs) Yes. Good, good competition going on. Well, my kids haven't had swimming lessons for quite a few years. Well, since we lived in this house and we've been in this house, almost six years in the previous place that we were doing swimming lessons. It was just overcrowded and the kids literally weren't learning anything. It was it was a waste. When it comes to swimming lesson skills, they're all going to be pretty much in the same class. They're all almost starting from ground zero again. But we're actually going with a school group because I know a teacher that works in a tiny town and we've kind of jumped in with them this year and her kids swim great. They loving these lessons. So I'm hoping that this will be a positive experience all around and they actually learn to swim.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Um, I I know that it used to be, uh, for requirements for the school system where I live, because I'm right on Lake Michigan, that you would actually have to be able to swim in order to graduate high school. That was actually a require a school requirement, and I don't know when that went away, but because uh, you know you don't want, you don't want kids drowning right or people drowning rather right yeah. Um, but I, I did me personally, I, I find it very important for my kids to be able to swim. So you know they've all taken swimming lessons and they all, they all can swim quite well. And you know we're we're in the water quite a bit, especially in the summertime. So um yeah, not that I'm, you not guys are
0: I'm... really close to water. We're close to water. We're close to the Snake River, but the Snake River is not a place that you swim. It's, yeah, it's called, a, called the Snake, Snake river, river for a reason.
1: Yeah. I, I <laughs>
0: yes. Not because there's a lot of <laughs> snakes in it, though there are rattlesnakes about, but because the river is so windy and turny and there's so many undertoes and that kind of thing in it that that is a dangerous place to swim. Right. So unless you go to a reservoir or a local pool, we, we live in the desert.
1: Yeah. I got you. Not a, not a whole lot of water options.
0: Exactly. <laughs> And it's not that I don't think that there's contributing factors, or that's not. Those are not the right words. That doesn't mean what I think you think it means.
1: (laughs) Inconceivable!